Parents, are you dreaming of a beach vacation? Get away to the sugar white sands and turquoise waters of Panama City Beach, Florida. You'll discover endless family fun, heart pounding thrills, eco adventure, and romance. So make it memorable. Make it yours at Panama City Beach, the real fun beach. Plan your escape now at visitpanamacitybeach.com. TeenCounseling.com connects your 13 to 19-year-old with a licensed professional counselor right where they spend most of their time, on their smartphone. Simply complete a short questionnaire and you'll be matched with a skilled therapist in TeenCounseling.com's network of specialists. Then, once you review their credentials and approve, the counselor and your teen will begin communicating directly. Visit teencounseling.com slash Meg and help your teen take charge of their mental health. Parenting Great Kids listeners can get 10% off your first month at teencounseling.com slash Meg. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 87, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Our subject this episode is one that I'm intrigued with, and it is parenting adult children. Well, maybe that's a misnomer. It's not really parenting adult children, though that's what you feel like you're doing sometimes. It's living with adult children and how to get along with them. My guest is Jim Burns. Jim is the president of Homeward and the executive director of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University. Jim speaks to thousands of people around the world every year, and he has close to 2 million resources in print in 30 different languages. He primarily writes and speaks on the values of Homeward, which are strong marriages, confident parents, empowered kids, and healthy leaders. I know you're going to love this interview. We're also going to be talking about Jim's new book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. I love that title. As always, I'll share my points to ponder for you to start using right away. And remember, don't just download the episodes, click subscribe, because when you do that, you are joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribe list. I promise you won't regret it. And we'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the podcast there for you. Also, we're not only on iTunes, but the PGK podcast is also available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today and don't miss a single episode. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode 87. Stay with us. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Jim Burns. I know you're going to love this one. 
Jim, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about parenting adult children. This is a topic I need to hear about. So thank you for coming on. Well, I need to hear about it too, Megan. It's great to be with you. Thank you. You wrote a fabulous book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, and I love the subtitle, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. You know, boy, oh boy, one of the hardest things in parenting adult children is really, I say, put the duct tape over your mouth because that's absolutely key. Um, You know, when we parent adult children, it's a whole different ball game than parenting younger children. Um, and you wrote a chapter called, you, you wrote, You're Fired. What does that mean? <laughs> well, actually, you're fired. You're still the mom and you're still the dad, of course. But your role as their, their parent has to change. So in some ways, you have to reinvent the relationship. And as you know well, Meg, what, what happens is that not only do you have to reinvent your relationship with your kids, but your kids have to reinvent yeah. their relationship with you. And, yes. um, you know, we found ourselves, Kathy and I found ourselves with all three, we have all girls, but we found with all three of the girls, they would boomerang back into the house or they're in college or, you know, even older now. And we would, we would revert back to when they were 15 yes. and we would want to talk to them like that. And frankly, sometimes they would too. So mm-hmm. we needed a new job description. We needed, uh, you know, some different boundaries and, 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 you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, I remember Kathy saying one time, she goes, you know, I thought it was going to get easier, Jim, when they became adults. It's more complicated. And that's what it was for us. It is. It's more complicated and your worries just get bigger. You just worry about different things. So let's kind of walk through the different ages a little bit because parenting kids that were in college is different from parenting kids uh, who are in their twenties and out of college. What are some of the issues that parents run into when their kids are in college and they either come home for the weekend or they come home for the summer? Well, that really is different because the kids have boomeranged. They're back. Yeah. They've been in school, so you know they can do whatever they want late at night. A lot of kids in college are you know the late night kids, and so uh, I find that parents tell me this, but also we experienced it with all of our kids is that. We wanted to know where they were. We didn't really care that if they were out too late, but you know they wouldn't show up, and it's one o'clock, and they're just having fun. They're over at a friend's house watching, you know, Netflix or whatever. But for us, we're still thinking about the fact: are they okay? Were they in an accident? And so we had to make some quick changes and say, "Look, at here's here's the new rules for us." You know, we we know you're in college. We know you're an adult. And I, I put quote marks around that if you and I were talking face to face and your listeners would see that, too, because my kids would say, I'm an adult. And I'd go, OK, well, we're still paying for college and we're I'm thinking that the cell phone bill is coming to us, you know, etc. Yes. But what we had to do was say, look, at here's here's what we expect. And we actually. I think Kathy and I made a smart move. We got this idea from somebody else, not us. You know, people support what they help create. So we kind of created, not in the heat of emotion or when, you know, there are problems, but we created, you know, some understandings and understandings like if they're going to live at the house, here's what their responsibilities are going to be. Here's what we expect from them in terms of communication. And we had to, I mean, we wanted a lot more communication than we were getting and they wanted probably less. So we had to sort of, you know, negotiate those those kind of communication issues. And then some parents, many, many, many parents actually, is I think what happens when they get to college, some of the kids stray from faith, they they violate values, and so they want to bring some of that back into the house. Yes. That's one of the issues that parents have to kind of settle in on, go, okay, you're back in our home uh, for summer, or you're back in the home for, you know, break or whatever. Uh, here's 
what our rules are at the house. And we know you're not exactly living by it outside and we can't do anything about that. But what we can do is in our home, here's you know, what we expect. And uh, I wouldn't say that my kids you know, came and said, dad, mom, you are the most brilliant parents I've ever heard of. They'd kind of go, seriously, you want us to call you by a 1030 to let you know at 1030 things are just getting heated up. Well, yeah, sorry, we're old and we want to go to bed by 11 and you, uh, you're going to you know, mess that up for us if you don't just at least call. And, um, you know, those were the kind of things that I think you got to do. So I think, and, and there's, you know, there's others. I have a good friend who, when his son moved back in, this was out of college, but his son moved back in and he said, welcome home. We're thrilled you're here. Now we're going to treat you like an adult. And here's a bucket with a scrub brush and you're in charge of the toilet, <laughs> you know, upstairs. And I the, love it. I love and I, it. And I love yeah. that. Yes, yeah. I love that too. You know, one of the things that I, uh, my husband and I ran into when our kids would come back from college is the same thing that you're talking about. You know, they'd be out to one or two in the morning and I'd be up worried to death waiting. Yeah. And so yeah. after a few of those times, I said, here's the deal. You know, I know that you do this at college, but you're home now and this is our home and I want you to respect it as our home. And I just need you to know that until you come home at night, I don't go to sleep. Yeah. So I either need you to come home earlier or you need to text me and tell me you're okay. Because yeah. it is, you just, you worry like, you know, when they're 15 and setting those boundaries, I think is great. But I think what you're saying is a really important point, And that is for parents to feel that even though their kids are adults and they're coming back home, the home is still yours and you yes. Can set boundaries and they need to be new boundaries, but we don't need to sort of go in the background and tell our kids, okay, you're grown ups, you can do whatever you want in my house. Um, and I think that's really important. So let's move on to kids living at home who are out of college. They're in their 20s. And yep. there are a whole lot of parents listening out there who have this situation. It's very frustrating for them. I have a lot of parents, usually mothers, which is interesting, yep. say to me, you know, my son is 25 and he's living at home and he went to college and he has a part-time job, but he won't leave. And they say, what should I do? What would you say to that mother or father? First of all, I'd say, look inward and see if you're uh, enabling dependency. Because a lot of us, you know, we loved, I mean, frankly, I loved, I, I, I invested two decades. My wife invested two decades of our lives with our kids and they were sort of dependent on us. So sometimes when they get to be in that 25, you know, kind of more what we call emerging adults still, but, you know, back at 25 in, an, in another generation, people were getting married and, you know, our kids now are getting married, you know, much later. A lot of them are. Yes. And, and what I say a lot of times with the parents is make sure you're not enabling dependency on yourself, on, on your own mm -hmm. self. So to me, there have to be some clearly expressed expectations like we we're talking about. And, and things like uh, if you're going to live in the house and you're out of college, then Let's develop an exit plan that's healthy. It doesn't have to be tomorrow, but let's develop an exit plan so that you can, you know, figure out how to be on your own. Because again, the, the bottom line is, you know, how do you become a responsible adult and how do you help them become a responsible adult? And I, I really only have about four things. I would say you got to be productive if you're going to be in the home. You know, none of this stuff where, and you'll, you were talking about mom saying this. Moms a lot of times will say to me, well, my son is, um, just playing video games and exactly. he gets up at one and then he plays video games until four and then he goes out and hangs out with his friends. No, you got to be productive. You got to honor our moral code in our home. Again, you can't micromanage that, but you've got to still honor our moral code in our home. Be re financially responsible. So 
again, you're moving them from dependence on you toward independence. And at 25, I think it's rapidly helping them become financially independent. And mm-hmm. then they have to be an active member of the family. So our daughter, Rebecca, a uh, great kid, and she had a roommate and her roommate moved. And so she said, hey, I'd like to move in for two months. And we said, that is great. And we were thrilled, frankly, to get to sure. see her back and whatnot. And two and a half years later, because she decided to go on to grad school, and we said, no, while you're in grad school, you know, we'll, we'll help you out. However, you've got to be an active member of the family. That means two nights we want dinner with you. And we do expect certain things that adults would do, like, you know, keeping your room a little bit more clean and, you know, you know, helping us understand where you are and mm-hmm. what you're doing. After a couple of nights, this is a kid who's now a, you know, a Christian psychologist, but, but a couple of nights where she just didn't show and it didn't dawn on her to call us. And she was right. just down the street at her good friend's house, but she didn't tell us. Right. Again, I'm panicked. And it's like five in the morning. Of course, I'm texting her. She's fallen asleep. So right. we had to re- really say, look, you got to be an active member of the family. Mom or dad would never do that. And so we're adults. And so yes. we're going to ask you to do the same thing. If you choose not to, then we'll help you, um, you know, usher you out of this house because as an adult, we want you to thrive. And obviously in our house, we want you to, you know, be a responsible adult. And here's what we think responsible adults do. Now, you don't say that, Meg, obviously in the moment of uh, major, major tension, you do that, right. you know, maybe over, you know, a meal or over sometimes when it's not, you know, the big tension filled time. And I think that works. And, and you know, I, that sounds so simple. And I realize every kid is different and every reaction is different. But I think that's where we've got to go as parents. Part of it yeah. is us having that kind of discipline, if you would, to, uh, to make sure that we're giving them the passport to adulthood and then expecting them to live like adults, even within our home, negotiating those boundaries. Do you think that um, there's something working in parents, particularly mothers, because I hear a lot from them, where, and I think this is maybe new in this generation of parents, where mothers want to feel like their kids need them. So they communicate, not overtly, but you know, you need to stay here because I need to be needed by you. You need me to do your laundry. You need me to cook for you. Yeah. And that makes me feel right. good. And I've seen that particularly with sons and single mothers. Can you address that? Well, I think that's the case. It's back to that enabling dependency. Sometimes we don't even realize we're just trying to help them out. Our motives are good. We're going to do the laundry for you. We're going to you know, cook for you. And we know you don't like what mom and dad were having. So you're coming home a little later. So I'll cook a whole different dinner for you. No, no, no. Because then they're going to not launch. In fact, there's something, you know, as a pediatrician, there's, I mean, this is a medical issue, but they actually have something now called the failure to launch syndrome. Obviously, you know, young kids, that's not the case, but parent, and what it is, is it's for parents really don't cook and clean and do their laundry on a regular basis for them. Um, if they're struggling to find a solution to the problem, you know, sit back and let them find it because actually experience is much better than advice. And we love to give advice, um, require the, the unemployed child to be looking for a job or furthering education, or basically they probably shouldn't be staying at home and, uh, and just don't pay their way, you know, for everything. And yet in doing that, we say, but what if they become homeless or what if they, right. They don't make it. Well, frankly, you're holding them back from launching. They got a pretty good deal. So, you know, I'll have 
uh, parents come in and periodically I've had them with their adult children who I'm looking at it and they're going, you know, he has a problem talking about the young guy or the young girl. <laughs> and I'm kind of going, I don't think he has a problem. He's got a great life. Mm-hmm. And that and that doesn't mean that as parents, we don't periodically say, hey, I know you're really busy in this season. Bring over your laundry. I'll throw it in with ours. Thrilled right. to do it, but just right. not on a on a regular basis. And I do think you're you're right in the sense that that moms um, who have been talking to their kids every day, even in college or twice a day, or you know even more texting, doing their homework, doing all these extra things for them, you know, moms have to kind of find themselves, and so they've got to get as emotionally and spiritually and relationally healthy as they possibly can, mm-hmm. because again, they are the ones who. Who are lost? There, you know, there's a woman named Judith Vorst who she wrote a book that children read. I uh, that we read to our children on Alexander and his very bad, horrible, no good day. But one of the yes. things she said about adult children, I thought this was very interesting. She said, "Letting our and this is going to be close to a quote. I don't have it in front of me. Letting our children go must be counted among our necessary losses." And mm. and that's a great point because in some ways we almost have to grieve that loss. And yet realize we're not done because we can have a very impactful legacy. But again, it can't be the parent-child or the adult-child. It has to be more on an adult-to-adult relationship. And then I think you become the mentors. And that this is really what I think any mom wants, any dad wants. We want to become their mentors. We'd love to coach them. We'd love them to come to us for advice. And I, I said to my wife last weekend, I said, guess what? All three of our kids asked me about life issues I was so thrilled that they did. And she, she just looked and said, wow, that's changed because there was a season. Our kids are in their 30s now, mid-30s, uh, 34, 32, and 30. So not really mid-30s, I guess. But they, uh, you know, there was a season where they weren't coming to, you know, to dad for advice. Today, that's changed. I love this new relationship we have. And yet, there are times when I want to give them you know, more advice, but you, you mentioned, uh, duct taping the, uh, and keeping you know, your mouth your, your shut. Tongue. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Need, I, I, I have a scar on my tongue cause I, I keep biting my tongue going, Oh, yeah. I will tell you it's hard. You know, I was researching for a book I wrote on mothers and sons and what m- my experience has been and what I found is that this is particularly harmful for yeah. sons because they need to hit a point in their life and mothers don't do this well when boys hit this point. I have a, a, a son now um, who's 27, but I remember this distinctly where they need to pull away from mom mom needs to honor that they're transitioning from boy to man and i will never forget our our son was 18 he's the baby you know believe it or not i worried more about him than i did our daughters i don't know why but he looked down at me one day six feet two and he said mom will you quit treating me like there's something wrong with me Mm. and i stopped in my tracks and what i was doing is i was talking to him like you know, he needed me to help him. He needed me to help him. And from that day on, I said, I'm so sorry. And I began to use words like, you are a man and you can do this yeah. and you don't need my help. So you really need to push them away so they can solidify yeah. their identity as a man. And then they come back to you. Yeah. And my fear is for these 25-year-old boys still living at home, they haven't gone through that process and they still feel like little boys. Would you agree? No, I agree. And it's partly because how we treat them. You know, it's interesting. I spent a season speaking for an organization called Promise Keepers, which is a men's ministry event. And the president of Promise Keepers, his name is Randy Phillips. He used to say to the men, and he would speak kind of before I would come on, but he used to say, a man is not a man until his parents tell him he is. And then I would watch Ah. grown men 
weep because they had really never had their parents say, okay, now you're a man. Now, when you look at the Jewish tradition, there's a rite of passage. Now, back in the days of Jesus, the rite of passage was age 13 because we didn't have adolescence in that day. You kind of went from childhood to adulthood. But one of the transitional issues of, of the teenage years is there has to come a time sometime when we say, you're a man. It's ex- and, and you have to say it. So I think when you're saying yes. that, two things are happening. One is you're telling him you know, he's a man, but it's also you're telling yourself that he's a man. And you're going, well, yeah. he's not exactly totally acting. Every, everything he's doing isn't what I see as an adult man yet. But you know, you, you've got to believe in him. You've got to going back to that idea of giving him that passport. When that happens and you wake up one day, I saw this with my daughter, Christy, who's our oldest. I woke, I, I kind of woke up one day and went, wow, not only has she become a woman, but she's a really good now for her wife and mom. Mm-hmm. And, and I went, where, where did that come from? You know, cause I'm still right. thinking of her as my little girl who, you know, I was frustrated with when she was little because she, you know, ran out into the street. And yet the reality is great mom, great wife, you know, making it happen, working on her faith issues, you know, being involved in church and small group and all the things that I had dreamed of. But I, I had to, I had to understand that that was kind of a weaning process, you know, and, you know, with little kids, obviously big, like my daughter, just, uh, she's just weaned our, our, our youngest granddaughter, Charlotte, and uh, and I realized, and I said to her, this is kind of a, a lot, in terms of uh, saying it on radio, but I said, boy, that's not easy for the weenie or the wiener, is it? And she started laughing <laughs> because yeah. she was having as hard of a time with the weaning process because now oh, Charlotte exactly. didn't need her for that because Charlotte was pretty excited about that little cup. And I, yeah. I realized some babies, that's not the case. But with adults, it's the same way. So it's not just yes. difficult for the the child who's becoming an adult it's difficult for us and and yeah. we've got to go through that process maybe it goes back to the idea of dealing with the loss that you know that i mentioned earlier exactly and i think uh you know to really face it and i think this is really important what you're talking about because for any of the parents listening out there who do have kids uh who are still living at home it's really important to understand okay what's going on inside of me um should kids pay rent if yeah. they're living at home. Yeah, I think that's a great conversation. I don't know that they have to, especially if they're in college or if they're, you know, trying to work their job. Uh, I'll tell you what we are at. We actually did that twice with our kids. Once with Rebecca, she was making a little bit of money and we just said, hey, what we need is, and we and it was a pretty minimal amount. And we told her up front, we said, we want this money and then we're going to put it aside. And when you leave, and she'd forgotten that. And so she would give mm-hmm. us money every month. And then when she was getting ready to to leave and move out on her own, we handed her a pretty good sized check. And she was like, wow, what's this? And we said, well, this is yeah. your rent money. We told you. And she went, oh my gosh, I forgot about it. Our, yeah. our children, Christy, Steve, and my two grandkids live in Texas. They're moving back uh, in less than a month. We're so excited they're coming back. And they're going to live with us for the summer uh, or, mm. or maybe even a little longer in terms of until they can kind of get their their, their house uh, ready in California and whatnot, and um, and we're charging them five hundred bucks. And again, we're going to do the same thing. Uh, and the reason we're doing that is not because we have to have that five hundred dollars. We're doing it because we want them to have the discipline of putting some money away. Because they kept yeah. talking about even this. Kathy and I, this was our conversation. They were talking about 
this summer they they want to do all these fun special things and i totally understand that but you know they got to also get in the habit of <laughs> of putting money into the you know house situation that they're going to have so we said $500 and they had been with us for uh, a year ago you know for about 2 months as they were making the same transition and we didn't charge them anything it was we we were so happy to have our grandkids there you know you know mm-hmm. how that is cuz you you did too oh, yeah. our story is I think sometimes we're more excited about the grandkids than them. I always have to be careful. Not oh, to, absolutely. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, you do. But you know, with them, I'm, we charged yeah. them. And, yeah, and I, I think, don't see that as bad. No, I don't I don't see that as bad either. As a matter of fact, and you write about this in your book, and uh, and and I was hearing at this conference I was just speaking at, that there are parents out there who are uh, dissolving their 401ks and the retirement yeah. plans yeah. to help kids buy a house. You wrote about that and how that comes back to bite you because then you go to retire and you're dependent on your kids because you've dissolved all of your retirement and what a what a bad situation that can be. No, not not smart. In fact, I read an article today that was talking about the amount and percent of people who are, you know, cashing in their 401s or, or who are not retiring when they actually had hoped to or dreamed of because they had spent their money on their adult kids. I don't think that's good. And you know, in the book, I give an illustration about a family that actually bought way too nice of a home for their kids. Yes. They, they, their kids' first home could have been simpler and much less expensive and how great if they had the money they to help them I, that doesn't bother me but what it did was this meant they both had to work they they were not now they were worried about their own you know life and lifestyle and but they were just trying to do it to help their kids get the dream home that they wanted well right. you know what 20 something year year old should probably have their dream home i mean i'm not sure that's even smart stewardship and mm-hmm. so i put the blame on the parents not on the kids yeah. On right. that one. And and yet there are, I was talking to a single mom last week. Homeward's the largest provider of parenting seminars in the US, the organization I work with. And so I was doing a parent, parenting seminar and a mom is a single mom and she really wants to help her kids, but she doesn't have the money. And, and the daughter is going through a divorce, moving back home. And she said, should I charge rent? And I said, it, will that help you? And she said, yes. And I said, well, how much would you charge? She goes, if I could get $250 a month and her, her daughter had a good job. And I went, that would be beautiful. How great is that, that you can not only help her by letting her be back in the home and you sound like you're going to watch the grandkids for a little bit, but also she can help you. And I think, and that's not with the illustration that I gave of bringing the money back. That's the daughter saying, Hey, we're now, you know, partners in this, in this, uh, lease payment that we have. Yeah. Well, and also she doesn't. Um, the the grandmother or the mother of the, the adult daughter could become very bitter and resentful over time because I know that scene, she's going to end up taking, uh, taking a lot of her time yeah. taking care of the grandchild. And then if she's paying for anything, that's sort of a recipe for disaster in your relationship with your daughter. Yeah. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Jim Burns. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of our conversation. Friends, it's no surprise that Rothy's has over 1,000 nearly perfect reviews. They're stylish, sustainable, comfortable, washable, and really the perfect flats for life on the go. I will tell you, friends, I love Rothy's. Any of you who have listened to this podcast, you know that I have at least five pairs of Rothy's 
and I love them. I have washed them. I wear them to work, to the beach. And recently, I was at the beach with my daughter, began to walk into the water with my Rothy's on, and she said, Mom, you've got your nice shoes on. And I said, not to worry, they're Rothy's. Sand, sun, water, nothing can hurt my Rothy's. And all I did when I got home was throw them in the washing machine. Since Rothy's are seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles, they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. That's right. There's zero break-in period in these shoes. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair or three you love. Better yet, Rothy's are manufactured in a zero-waste factory, and they ship directly in the shoebox, no unnecessary packaging. Rothy's always come with free shipping and free returns or exchanges. No risk, no worries, no reason not to try. You'll quickly discover why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash meg. Go to R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash meg to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash meg today. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids that make learning about STEAM fun. With a KiwiCo subscription, each month the kid in your life will receive a fun, engaging new project which will help develop their creativity and confidence. The projects are designed to spark creativity, tinkering, and learning in kids of all ages. All projects, inspiration, and activities are created by a team of product designers in-house in Mountain View, California, and rigorously tested by kids. Every crate includes all the supplies needed for that month's project, detailed, easy-to-follow instructions, and an educational magazine to learn even more about that crate's theme. KiwiCo inspires kids to see themselves as makers and is on a mission to empower kids not just to make a project, but to make a difference. Friends, I will tell you that I have five grandkids and I've used KiwiCo with all of my grandkids and I'm really impressed on how they structure different projects for different ages. KiwiCo is so easy to use. A box comes to your home and everything is in there for you to work on a wonderful project with every single one of your kids or grandkids. I strongly recommend it. KiwiCo is offering Parenting Great Kids with Dr. Meg Meeker listeners the chance to try them for free. To redeem this offer and learn more about their projects for kids of all ages, visit KiwiCo.com slash Meg. That's KiwiCo.com slash Meg. You know, money can get in the way. I, I oftentimes say, don't let you know, money get in the way of your relationship. And way too often, you know, frankly, money can become, you know, the issue that that just, you know, puts a wall up, you know, yes. in terms in yeah. terms of our lives. And when we're trying to help them become financially dependent, but you know, what we're, what's happening is is, and in fact, I said it in the book, you know, remember the high cost of money to a relationship. Don't make yes. it complicated. And, yeah. Uh, 
And exactly. you know, I find you know, and money is complicated. And you know, and again, when we were younger, we were you know, we were putting out the money for our kids. But I think when they become adults, uh, well, you know, like my dad, I remember one time, I uh, Kathy and I were moving across the country from California to Princeton, New Jersey, where I was going to grad school, and. And uh, my engine blew up and my dad said, mm-hmm. I called dad. I just went, dad, I don't know what to do. I'm in Illinois someplace. And my engine went, of course, back then it was going to be a thousand dollars to rebuild the entire engine. Yeah. Oh, how, oh, how nice those days are. And my dad said, Hey, I'd love to give you a loan. Well, my dad could have given me the money. And he said, I'd love mm-hmm. to give you a loan. And, and, and then I laughed because he sent when he, he gave, uh, he wired the money. So, you know, oh. got the engine fixed. We're on our way. And then he sent me. Something from almost probably he got from the bank or something. Now, this is before internet. So, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. just get off the internet, but he got something and I had to fill out something and I had to pay him back. And he gave me great terms and, and very cheap terms because his son was in grad school. But you know what? I, I think my dad gave me a favor instead of just handing me that thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah. And he, and he really truly treated you like an adult who is capable yes. of, of, of earning that money later and giving it back. Yes. I'd like to turn the corner a little bit because this is a problem that parents often tell me about. And that is they raise their kids with what they believe are healthy values. They teach them about, they, they get them to go to church. They, you know, impart a, strong faith in them or, you know, as much as they can, you know, they teach them what is right and what is wrong. And then the kids grow up and they abandon those values and live completely opposite of the way, what, yeah. of the way mom and dad told them to live. And it's very painful for parents. What do you recommend for parents like that who are going through that? You know, you and I were talking before we, we came on that, you know, this is a major issue. And I people are heartbroken. People are shocked, you know, because they raise their kids in the church or they raise their kids, you know, put a lot of money into this, uh, Christian schools, all this, and then the kids, you know, abandon it. First of all, um, I, I really do believe that some of these kids who are who are straying from their faith or who are, you know, just violating their values, I think many of them will come back as they become mm-hmm. more responsible. There, I mean, there's even a biblical uh, principle that says when you train up a child, you know, in the end, they'll come back. It doesn't say that they're not going to have some bruises and bumps on it. Mm-hmm. I'm in a small group. Mm-hmm. I've been in a small group for about 17 years. And these are my mentors. These guys are all older than me and they're they're just wonderful. They all have bumps and bruises because they, they did this. They did this stray thing and now they're, you know, chairman of elder boards and, you know, just living the life in a great way. So do they do they have some, you know, Holes, sure they do, but you know we all do. So I would I would give hope to parents. I would also say that as a parent, we can't be a one topic parent. A woman said to me last week, my daughter is shocked me. She told me, informed me that she was moving in with her boyfriend, and you know we that's every goes against everything that we ever you know dreamed of for her. And she said, "What do I do?" And I said, "Well, do, does she know how you feel? Yes. Does she know what you believe? Yes. Then you can't be a one topic parent." keep the relationship open because the odds are this relationship may not work. The science of say cohabitation tells mm-hmm. us that it doesn't work. Yep, exactly. And, and one of the things I said to her, Megan, I, I think this is so key. I say this a lot is that when they are violating your values, they know they're doing that and exactly. they might even feel some silent shame. And, and the, but the question they're asking, they already know how you, how, what you believe, but the question they're asking mm-hmm. is, do you still love me? Mm-hmm. And and I really think that as parents, this is my own opinion, I think we have to shower them with love, even though we don't accept what they're doing. So does that mean that they let the boyfriend and the girlfriend, you know, it, you know, sleep with them at home? 
No, you don't do that. That's your home. You choose how that's going to be. But at the same time, you know, you tell them, but then when our hearts are breaking, that's all we want to talk about with them. Well, that's going to cause them to go to run away as opposed to, uh, well, you know how I feel and I love you like crazy. And uh, hey, I know that you really like, you know, Mexican food. How about Friday night, us going out and having Mexican food and actually bite your tongue and not even talk about that and see where that goes. Mm -hmm. I believe that when they fall, then they're going to come home and they'll, and they'll, they'll go, boy, were you ever right on this one? But uh, as parents, I think we, we, that's when we want to get into hyper mode and give them all this advice. And sometimes they just simply have to, you know, have to learn. Um, And sometimes you you do show tough love. But one of the things I say to parents is that you can't confuse tough love with meanness. Uh, You know, there are consequences to your actions. So you are moving in with your boyfriend. That means you're choosing to be an adult. And, you know, we were paying for that education. So that means as an adult, you can now afford that, obviously, because you've moved in with this guy. And so we love you like crazy. And we want to celebrate life with you. But we're not going to pay for this semester. So that's tough love. And yet you're still showing love. Yeah, it really is. And that's where I think, you know, the title of your book, uh, the subtitle, Shut Your Mouth and Keep the, you know, the doormat out. Yeah. Boy, is that hard, though. And I think that parents really struggle there because they'd say, okay, well, my daughter's living with a a boy or man, and I don't like that. So I can understand she can, he and she can still come over. We can have a good time. She knows how I feel. And you're absolutely right. With, in a situation like that, all you want to do is pull that kid aside and preach to them. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. You, but, but in a way, it makes it a lot tougher for them when you keep your mouth shut and you continue to yeah. live your own values. Yes. Um, but what do you do if you have a child who's, say, on cocaine yeah. and they're using and um, they don't use in your home? Do you still say come over for dinner even though you're using cocaine? Or when yeah. do you when yeah. do you decide to okay, cut them off and say you're not welcome here until? Well, that's a great question. And and again, I wish there was a simple answer that you said on the third time at the fourth moment, here's what you do. But I do believe that that's when parents really do need the help of getting people who specialize say for example in recovery because mm-hmm. They don't want to enable those those kids. So obviously what they don't want to do is keep enabling the drug habit. I said to a parent yeah. within the last month, it sounds to me like you're kind of paying for this drug habit. And they went, well, no, we're not paying for the drug habit, but you're still giving them money. And what are they doing with that money? You know, So I don't think that's a smart idea. At the same time, there is a process, and it's actually a pretty healthy process of tough love, where if they're on something like cocaine or they're doing, oh my goodness, you know, meth or you know, so the, any of the tougher stuff, or frankly, you could go on to them being addicted to uh, something as um, popular today as marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think you have every right to say, "Hey, under these circumstances, you know, here's what the relationship's going to be." But I don't think you go to exactly no relationship. I think you kind of give them some hope. The other thing I think a parent can do, and some people would think this is enabling, but I think you say, "Hey, look at if you want help, here's where to get help," and Maybe even the first time around, you're helping them get the help. But mm-hmm. then the process is, as you say, here's kind of your answer. And we want to do everything to be a part of your recovery. But we can't go on living this way with you choosing to you know, continue with your addictions or whatever, realizing that it's not easy. Way too many parents continue to enable their kids when their kids are adults and they are 
you know, using or abusing some kind of a, you know, a substance. And, you know, I think there's, there's, there's ways you can learn that to say, we're not going to do that. Because again, they've right. got to hit bottom sometime. And sometimes the best bottom they can hit is when parents are going, we've changed the rules here because of this. Right. We still love you. And we're, we're excited about eventually helping you with your recovery. But right now, here's the new rules. Well, and they have to take responsibility and ownership in there as well. Yeah. So um, I think that's really important. I think that, you know, the difficulty for a lot of parents is sort of trying to figure out, okay, where is that line? Where is that line where I say, okay, you're living a lifestyle I don't agree with, but I love you, will continue to, you know, embrace you and uh, do it. You know, for instance, if, if a woman, a young woman marries a man that the parents don't like. They've often asked me, what do I do? And I said, you know, she's a grown up. She's 25 years old. She's going to do this, but you don't pull out of her life because chances are, if you don't like this guy, the marriage will dissolve and she's going to need you. So don't estrange yourself from her. Would you agree with that? No, I, I do agree. In fact, uh, the, I have a chapter in there where the principle is wear beige and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yes. And, and it, yeah. it was actually, it was actually a friend of mine said this, like, what do you, we have all girls. So what do you do when you have a son at the wedding? And she goes, well, you, well, you wear beige and you keep your mouth shut. I loved it. But in, in what that, it's exactly what you're saying, Meg, you know, this is a, a marathon. This is not a sprint. So who knows what that relationship is going to be like? And frankly, you know, there are sometimes some really cool miracles that I hear where I said to a to a uh, a mom who was not getting access to her son and grandchildren because of the daughter-in-law who she did not like, frankly. And I said, hey, your access to your son and to your grandchildren are through that daughter-in-law. Exactly. And in the book, I actually told a story about this woman who uh, – Kind of after, and it, this took years. This, the, I hope the people who read this illustration don't think it happened like, you know, on, from Friday she started it and Monday now they were perfect. But what happened was she started giving her Starbucks cards. She loved Starbucks. Then the w- young woman said, Why don't we go to Starbucks? And anyway, she's now her, you know, mentor and hero and has all access to her son and, you know, grandchildren. But the point mm-hmm. being that she saw beyond the problems right then. And it was kind of neat because the young woman, they were going to it. Well, the young woman wasn't going to church, and uh, her son was trying to go and you know get the kids there, but it wasn't always working. And finally, the young woman said, "I don't like the church you go to. I want to go to your mom and dad's church." <laughs> so they got to <laughs> yeah. spend t- Sundays. All of a sudden, became go to church and then have you know a meal together. And you know what a joy that was. And so she said, "Actually, sometimes I now like my daughter in law better than I like my my son." Uh, kind of, I think her tongue was in her cheek. But yeah. the point being yeah. is that you know things can change. But you're exactly right. Spend time. Um, you you don't have a choice. You're not from one of the countries that uh, you know arranges marriages. So right. you know a lot of times we're not going to love who they're dating or who they marry. And yet at the same time, it's our job to to love on them as we would in uh, in a business relationship around the workplace uh, at church. I mean, we don't have to, you know totally think everything that everybody is doing is great. We've got friends that we spend time with and, you know, it's, I'm, I kind of go, well, I wouldn't do it that way, but you know, we have to do that with our own children sometimes. Well, and again, she's going to know, your daughter's going to know exactly how you feel about that man. Sure. And sure. The, the, the strongest way to influence her is to just not stay, say very much. I was engaged to a gentleman before I married my husband and my dad didn't like the guy. And what made it really hard for me is my dad 
didn't say anything about him. And that was sort of the kicker for me. I thought, you know, my dad's not beating me over the head preaching. But if my dad doesn't like this guy and he's pulling back, man. So I ended up not marrying him because my dad, I think, handled it beautifully. We only have a couple of minutes left. And I want you to um, just quickly talk to that parent, you know, a single mom, single dad, married, it doesn't matter, who has an adult child who is estranged. They've had a falling out. They don't agree. Um, And mom and dad said, we don't like what you're doing. And the child said, well, I don't like the way you're treating me. So off we go. What is a parent to do in a situation like that? Well, if there's anything that the parent has done, I think the parent uh, takes the lead and apologizes and say, you know, we obviously don't agree on all this. I want to apologize for what I did. Because a lot of times in those, we've said something that now we regret or we've done something or whatever. That, to me, we start we started off. I don't think, you know, sometimes it's the young person who will do that. But a lot of times it needs to be the parent. And then I think we continue to, even if they're estranged, I think we continue to offer support, not, not criticize at all. But this is where, you know, birthdays still become a big deal. So if they're not letting you see them, then there's a present, you know, at their door. Either we, whether you mailed it to them or you came by the house if you lived near them, um, there's there's cards. I was thinking about you and never preaching or lecturing, but you know I was thinking about you and I just wanted you to know I I loved you. Um, those kinds of things. Their favorite food is something, and there's now a little gift card for twenty five dollars, twenty dollars, whatever it is for that yeah. place. Was thinking about you today. Um, I think those are the. What I hear, those are the stories where eventually they come back because they really do. You know, when you're when you're hurting or when you're in trouble, where do you want to go? You want to go home. So eventually, you know, that happens. But when it's when we have at least apologized. Um, now, again, that sounds simpler than it is in the sense of sometimes it's pretty complicated because there's some pre- pretty big issues. You, you mentioned drug abuse or various addictions or, you know, morals and values that are just, you know, crazy. But in reality, I think for most people. We get our feelings hurt, we have pride, and our ego gets in the way. And what we need to realize is that, no, we need, as parents, we need to take the lead. Even if you need yeah. a counselor to do that. You know, the Bible says where there's no counsel, the people fall in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I find that sometimes with parents of adult children, if they'll get wisdom and counsel from someone who's, you know, an authority on this, they really truly can um, kind of make their way back because typically both want the relationship. They're yes. just, you know, their stubbornness and pride and all those kind of fun things that we all have. Yes, but I but I love the you know what you say is that parents have to take the lead because the child always even if they're 35 45 the parent is still the leader to them sort of right. subconsciously so I think that uh you're absolutely right. The book is Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and The Welcome Mat out. My guest has been Dr. Jim Burns. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a fabulous book and anybody with adult children from college age on needs to read the book so they can they can understand how to navigate life um, with an adult, adult child. There's so much more in the book that I wanted to get into. Uh, we didn't have time. You talk about step families and, you know, navigating those kind of relationships. Uh, so everybody just needs to, to go out and read the book. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. Meg, thank you. What a delight to get to talk with you. And thank you for all you do to help families succeed all over this world. Thank you. Thank you for your writing. Thank and you. For the great work you do. Thanks so much. Now on to my points to ponder. One, say less, 
be more. You know, once we're a parent, we're always a parent, even when our kids are grown and even when they're a lot older. But the relationship with our kids changes, and this is often tough for us parents. We want to continually tell them what to do and give them, quote, advice whether they want it or not. What we fail to realize is that as adults, they have beliefs, habits, and wishes of their own that are different from ours, and we need to respect that. We may not like what they think, say, or believe, but when we continue to pound our views into them, they pull away. So the best thing to do with adult children is be quiet. If they want advice, they'll ask. If you want them to stay close to you, it's best to say less and be a good role model. Two, accepting them does not mean that you have to agree with them. Many parents become disappointed with their adult child's views and opinions, particularly when they are different from the parents. They often feel they need to show their kids that they disagree with them by refusing to talk to them, show them love, or even have them over. What we forget is that we can love, accept, and support our kids without agreeing with them on their views. Many parents believe that supporting a child communicates acceptance of all issues, and this isn't true. We want to accept and love our children unconditionally. That's tough, but it's doable. Three, keep your home open to them. Many parents become angry or offended by their kids and close their homes to them. Disagreements about money, inheritance, living together before marriage, and a host of other things can divide parents and kids. But we parents must always take the high road. This means showing our kids that we're always willing to be with them, no matter how hard it is. Many times, this isn't easy, but even when they're grown adults, we must show them that adults must be strong, forgiving, and loving at all times. And this, friends, is one of the hardest things we'll ever do. I want to thank my guest, Jim Burns. To find out more about Jim, you can go to his website, Homeward, H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com. That's Homeward. Dot com and learn about the wonderful work that he's doing there in order to help families succeed. I strongly recommend you check his website and his books out because they're wonderful and filled with tremendous amount of encouragement. For those of us parents who are living with our adult children, his book again, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and The Welcome Mat Out. So let's recap my points to ponder. One, say less, be more. Two, accepting them does not mean that you agree with them. Three, keep your home open to your adult children. So remember, parents, until next time, great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything. And leave us a review so we know how we're doing.